Hey everybody, welcome back to Black Belt. Or Bust. I'm Misty. And I'm Keely. Today we have... You're supposed to say I'm David. (laughs) (laughs) We have a recurring... I'm here, so... Co-host. That would have been cute. (laughs) Our coach, David Close. Say hi, David. Hello, people. Alright, so today we have David on to talk about... MMA in groundwork, so BJJ in MMA. So we just had the portion of this talk where we talked with Cody Freeland about what are some specific BJJ movements, and we got very philosophical very quickly as to intentions, particularly for stand-up. So today we wanted to focus on mainly groundwork (coughs) and certain techniques or certain movements and things to focus on that transition well to MMA and make up good fundamental habits for early on MMA fighters that they can carry over into their career. Right. So just to kind of start <laughs> off, what what about BJJ is important for MMA, particularly since anymore everybody's very well-rounded it's no longer strikers against wrestlers it's very much like just who can out technique who in which facet it is and it isn't we're we're not in the dark ages anymore we're kind of getting into what i like to call the silver age now so we don't have classic striker versus grappler but the reality is though you still have a lot a lot of men and women and you see this even more in women's mixed martial arts though too and it's just a numbers game, that's why. But where you'll have more people that are more strikers, and when they get put on the ground and they look like a turtle that's been flipped onto, onto like their back. So it's just it's just important for, for you to know how to actually work, survive, if you get put on your back then. Because, again, you can be a great, great striker, but you get put on your back and then you can't really actually do much. At times, depending, that may be the whole round for you where maybe you get off one or one or two great great shots but then you get put on your back and then you're catching elbows for like the rest of like the round even if they even if the person on top of you did not actually do much you know this here the rounds there's so. though mm-hmm. so if you don't actually have a decent bottom bottom game it pretty much means nothing and you still have men and women that still want to actually discount that but that's why I say if you look at if you look at modern MMA at the highest of levels, most, like 90% of the champions, they're either going to be, they're either pretty pretty good at striking and then they're right around a brown belt at least level within BJJ or they're really good wrestlers, but even then, their striking's okay, but then they have decent BJJ. John Jones is a purple belt right now. Uh, Daniel Cormier, when he was double double champion, he he's a brown belt still within BJJ. Came Velasquez, whenever he was still competing, he he he's a black belt in BJJ. Anderson Silva, BJJ black belt, blah blah blah. Most people they actually have that ground ground game element, but then they use it however they actually want to. So, what are some things that you think are, or even just specific techniques you think that every grappler who wants to fight should? work on and kind of have in their repertoire before going into the cage? Uh, to me, probably the blueprint, if you want to watch a, a guy that was high level in BJJ, would have been Barillo Bustamanch. So, uh, he's a, he is a, he's one of the founders of Brazilian top 
top team. I think he's a sixth degree black belt now, maybe a seventh. Carlson Gracie, black belt and all. But what he did, his clinch work was good, but he was not a fast, explosive wrestler, which is fine. So what he got really, really good at, because if you look at a lot of a lot of a lot of people that uh, strike now, for whatever reason, we have this weird thing where now we have Division One wrestlers like uh, Gagey, just as an example, mm-hmm. Henry C. Udo before he actually re- retired, tired too, but they can actually kick and punch. But there's still a lot of wrestlers and even more BJJ people who, if they kick, then they look like a first day person that's within the type within the Taekwondo class, and they look act like absolute garbage because mm-hmm. they do not spend enough time really trying to learn how to actually balance and actually have strength within one leg. Murillo, he just box, so he would actually box you because then it forced you to do one or two things: either either one, you would try. Desperation shot, and he had, and he still has a great, great guard. So he's basically fine. He never took 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 damage from his guard at all. Or B, he would actually punch you enough, and then make you want to actually clinch. So a lot more wrestlers, or sorry, a lot a lot more BJJ people, they had to learn how to work from the clinch using over and under style 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 grips. So instead of you just working long range like gi grips, you have to really work a lot of body locks and a lot of over, over, under, under grips. And I know some people will go, well, you know, maybe that means don't even do judo. No, you, you can definitely do do judo, judo too. If you look at from Ronda Rousey to Rick Hahn, um, Fedor, Emilianenko, and others, they're all judo black belts and they use judo really, really well, but they do it from an over and under clinch style. So mm-hmm. if you didn't come from a wrestling background and, and if you're coming from like, like a judo background, you've got a body lock and you've got to get used to, to doing over and under clinches and you can actually adapt like your game that way too. So there are, there are, there are plenty of people that do this all of the time. If you mm-hmm. look at Khabib even, Khabib is a... People want to label him as a wrestler, but even if you if you listen to into inter, interviews with him, he's a sambo guy, which means he basically has done freestyle wrestling just to do it. He's done judo, which he loves actually, you know, even more than he loves just straight wrestling, and sambo sambo too. So because of that, whenever you come from a background like that, you not having having cloth means absolutely nothing because now you have such a wide array of techniques. To where, as a grappler, you're way more dangerous. Than. Okay, so say predominantly our grapplers, you're focusing on taking the match to the ground instead of playing <clears throat> the strikers game. Mm-hmm. And since this episode is focused more on groundwork, going from the takedown into groundwork, do you right. feel as though mo- more people do the takedown and end up in a guard, or do the takedown and end up into either side control or going into that mount position, more dominant position? Uh, for most of them, and even if you watch most fights. Most of the times that you actually get, that the takedown actually happens, unless a person is also a really good jujitsu guy, then in general, then they want up in a half guard. Okay. Okay. So, even the main blueprint. In fact, the main the the main the main guy that really actually helps to show that is probably like the probably pound for pound. If not, if he's not the greatest, and he's top three of all time, and that's GS GSP. Yeah. And if you watch him, whenever he would go up against other high level BJJ guys, and mind you, George is also a BJJ black belt. Mm-hmm. Um, what he would always do is the following: take down, force you into a half guard, control, knee cut, going into side control, and then 
punishing the ever loving crap out of you. Sometimes hanging out inside, uh, sorry, some some sometimes hanging out within uh, within half guard and actually hitting you there. But if he was going to pass you nine times out of ten, he would always force you in that half guard and cut. Mm-hmm. So if you go back, like go back and watch the fight that he had with BJ Penn the second time around, and all he and all he pretty much hit was like knee cuts, and he was slicing through BJ's guard. But he would use a combination of being able to strike you, and then he would force you into half guard. He would open you up. He would get his un, his un, your hooks tripod up past you. Then. So, I'm curious because yeah. I know the least about MMA from <laughs> <laughs> from this whole entire series because um, I feel like an idiot. I'm genuinely uh, <clears throat> curious: is it beneficial to be within your guard in MMA or? <laughs> it depends which guard. Because I don't know. Like, <laughs> if I think great. about like a closed guard position, that's just one guard. I think I see a lot of fighters get into. Is there a benefit of being within your closed guard, or well, is it better to be in the the person in the guard? Well, listen, let's let's answer this a few ways here. I know people are probably like, "God, she's an idiot." No, 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 no. no. no, no. It, it, it has value. If you know how to play it, right. and you can control them from striking you. So, okay. If you don't know how to play your guard and prevent them from striking you or to control that, then you're fucked. So, okay. so like, all right, so let me just name two high-level MMA fighters just as an ex- ex- example here. Because first off, we have to really define what a guard actually is. A lot of people that do mixed martial arts, their guard is: I want to lock up like a guard, hopefully get a, hopefully get a overhook on you, and then hug you, and then force a stand up. That's not a guard. A guard should be should mean I don't want to be here because Jesus, he's putting or she's putting on a ton of submissions here. Mm-hmm. If you look at, I think it's Charles Oliveira. He fights at one forty-five or he fights at one thirty-five. I think at one forty-five, his like he like recently choked out Kevin Kevin Lee. His submission game is freaking nasty. But whenever you watch, you know, him operate, he's always active within his guard. So even if you're within a closed guard, if your hips are not moving, if they're not if there's no threat of climbing, if you're not clenching and you're not pulling arms across the center line, etc., you don't really have a guard. That's why whenever whenever I hear, oh, well, yeah, he got back in the guard, it's like, okay, well, if he's not doing doing crap, I don't really care. So just as an example, I don't fear Francis Ngano, and he's bigger than I am, but I would never fear being within his guard. He doesn't have a shot in hell of ever actually tapping me. Like, I really have no problem saying that simply because he doesn't really focus on it. It's not one of those things that he really does. He's a big guy. He's more of a power, power striker, striker and all. He doesn't really focus on his grappling here. If I'm in Damian Maia's guard, however, I'm really, really, really scared. Because Damian's a very high-level BJJ black belt, fourth-degree black belt, and no gi, and for mixed martial arts, he submitted plenty of people off of his back. You can watch whenever his first fight in the USC, I think it was against Chael, Chael Sonnen, and then he you know, choked out Chael with a triangle show, just as an yeah. example. Well, on you top know. of the fact that, like, if you have somebody in your closed guard and you don't know how to optimally use it or to be able to defend with it, you've just locked yourself in a posi- in a closed distance position with mm-hmm. this person on top of the fact that you have gravity against you. So if you aren't working or preventing the strikes, they're getting in their points. Yeah. So if Or if you're just on lockdown waiting for them, uh, them to either force a stand-up or for the round to end, 
you're you're really fatiguing yourself because you're locked down so much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's not it's not productive. Yeah. So you can actually have have a guard, but your guard's got to be active. And to me, the, to me, for mixed martial arts right now, there are really only three guards that are actually worthwhile. Because you have your main guards, and then you have what I like to call the auxiliary guards, okay? So, like, X-guards, single-leg X, you can definitely use those within mixed martial arts. If you look at Gary Tonin, you look at Ryan Hall, deep half-guard with, like, uh, Wilson Hayes and, like, others, um, these all actually work. But for, like, the ones where I'm, like, everyone's got to get better at, number one's going to be closed guard. Because you can force a stand-up, but also because a lot of... A lot of guys know gi. They suck at actually passing a closed guard. You know the common the common thing is oh we'll pu- we'll punch them in the face. Well if they can really clench up well well with you, you can't really do that. And you mm-hmm. trying to do that winds up with you getting your butt swept. So time has got to be really really spent on it. And again, if you in if you're really trying to do mixed martial arts, go back and especially study G G S P from when he won the welterweight title for the second time against Matt Hughes. Watch how he actually guard passes. He's the best MMA guard passer, period. And also being engaged and active in the close guard. So many people think that it's just crossing your ankles and holding them there and trying to keep your legs tense. But if you pay attention to the people that play close guard well, they're engaged in their close guard. Their heels are down in which their legs are pinching in to isolate the hips. Their hips are off the ground because they're able to track their part their opponent who's trying to escape so much more and then it gives them more mobility in order to do the submissions Mm -hmm. so you can you can tell a difference even like in the ufc fights if they end up in closed guard who knows how to play a closed guard and that they are engaged with it yeah so closed guard is going to be one the second one's going to be half guard like a lot of wrestlers even a lot of strategy is will force you into half guard I can then pinch like my knees around like your hips. I can actually keep you there. Hopefully, get you up against the cage, and then I can actually punch you. So you have to have an active half guard, and then you have to have an active butterfly guard. So you should be able to go from your half guard to a butterfly guard, and then be able to actually pop up. Like one of the best examples of that. Again, I'm going to keep using him um, for at least some of these uh, talks here. If you watch GSP versus John Finch, I think it was in round number three. Fitch got GSP down. George then plays as a butterfly guard, elevates him up, comes out the back door with like a single leg, and then you see Fitch's life just look like what the hell just actually happened here. Because George was never ever settling within like his guard. He was he was, like as soon as he hit his guard, he elevated him straight up, and he was not playing around then. Mm-hmm. Either he was going to sweep or he was going to come up, and he came right up back door, put John John, John Fitch back down. That's probably the worst beating Fitch has ever actually had to mix martial arts and I think we've mentioned them in a couple of podcasts now I know Misty you've mentioned them before and David's mentioned them whenever we say GSP especially for you new people that's George St. Pierre definitely check them out kind of live by it a little bit Um, very good fundamentals to be able to look into especially in terms of looking at incorporating jiu-jitsu into different fighting styles that's a really good person to follow in the beginning to get an understanding of the possibilities of jiu-jitsu and MMA and how to utilize it and then go branching off into other fighters to kind of like build to the repertoire of different guards or different techniques people use. So looking at people that have are well-rounded in establishing guards and utilizing them and then going off into people who specialize in specific things mm-hmm. is a really good way to have a better understanding on how to apply techniques to the application. Mm-hmm. Kind of accessory, not like the accessory guards like you were talking about, but 
accessory in a sense of submissions. Okay. For groundwork, what are some primary submissions you think people should work on? Your main submissions are pretty much going to be the following. You're gonna, it's going to be the guild, the teen show, and that's with that's with the armor without the arm. It's going to be your straight arm bar too, and then it's going to be your rear your naked choke. So do you not think that Kimuras are utilized as much as they could be? Or do you think that opens you up for getting hit more? It doesn't if you can dominate the shoulder properly. Um, it's just that the reason why I want to go with the armbar and why I'm not going to put the Kimura there, it's not that the Kimura is not there at all. It's just that if you're hitting a person like enough, people's arms normally normally flail. So the so like the straight armbar is just a lot more of a immediate factor versus a Kimura. Okay. That's the only reason why. So how successful do you think some of these submissions attempts are? I know you, comparing local to like professional, but well, especially in the local area, do you feel like people are actually getting the submissions that they're going for and that no. they have stronger grappling? They're not be they're not, but it's because they're not putting time into their submission game. Like so, like like they like they really and truly just are not putting like a, enough time. But again, and this is not even trying to like this is not trashing even even anyone local here, but it's just that it's kind of like if you watch the footwork of some people that are supposed to strikers, and then you go, well, they're not really strikers. They're kind of just kind of, you know, they're pretty much just kind of throwing haymakers. Like, they're not technical strikers and all. Or whenever it comes to, like, wrestlers, and then some people, oh, well, they wrestle. Well, they were local high school wrestlers, but their technique sucks. Like, honestly, like, it's just not that good. That's why whenever you really see a really, really good high-level striker that wants to start off with a mixed martial arts, you, you always go, oh, wait a minute. Or like a really, really good high-level person that wrestled in college, you watch how they use their wrestling, and then everyone's like, oh, wait a minute. Or like a really, really good jiu-jitsu guy or gal, and you watch how they put on a submission clinic on like a local level, you're, you're like, oh my god, like, wait a minute here. Because again, it's, it's, it's a breath of fresh air, because you saw someone that put a lot of time in making sure that at least in one of the major areas, they have a strong ass skill, and then they can really apply. It. And then they're trying to get all. And then they are trying to get the other skill sets to actually match that. Versus a person that's not skilled anywhere really, they're pretty much just wild, and it actually shows. But they, but they, but they pretty much never go anywhere as it is. Okay, so something that I'm curious about, just getting into jiu-jitsu and being in it within the past couple of years and then you see a lot of these black belt world champions go from being world champions of jiu-jitsu and now they're like i'm gonna get in a mix oh get out of my head because that's where i wanted this conversation to go too so i'm very curious on that transition because they've been so focused on jiu-jitsu for so long not just on like the business aspect understanding that like there's more money to earn and stuff like uh-huh. that and there's more promotional material but but I'm very curious because I've the seen the training aspect yeah or like the fights we've been watching recently with females because in my head I'm thinking a lot of like the females yes yeah. because we're we're out whatever I mean like the, the, <laughs> the main example I know you're thinking of in your head is Mackenzie Dern yeah you know, like high black belt female deciding to make the switch into professional fighting yeah. doesn't have as much of a striking background how is it for somebody that has a well established area trying to switch over or add that into your into your portfolio just so to speak because i i know it's diff 
it's different. I don't know. That's I'm just very curious on well, no, no, it's, your thoughts. No, no, it is different, but you all right, so <laughs> there are a few areas where you gotta really look at. One, sometimes if you're a high level somewhere, the reason why you're not in that anymore is because you got injured and you're kinda of broken down. Mm-hmm. So some people, they actually really do come in, and they may be even like 28 or something, but they're not really at their athletic peak. So let me use Ronda Rousey just as an example. Ronda, if you remember, when she started mixed martial arts, she was still in her peak for judo competition. Yeah. Because yeah. Ronda retired at 20, I think, from judo, and she really got screwed over. She really should have been in the gold gold medal match for, for the Olympics. And that was her second, and that was her second Olympic run. Yeah. Okay. Well, part of the reason why she got out, she had multiple knee surgeries, elbow surgeries, etc. So whenever she got into like mixed martial arts, she was doing really well. But you hear people, oh, well, she should have been learning how to do more double legs and singles to make herself more varied. Her knees are shot. She can't really do it. Yeah, she's in her twenties, but her knees are like a, like a person that's like in their damn fifties here yes. in terms of athletics here. So. There's that aspect for some people even within judicial and some people even in wrestling too. So you have that. Uh-huh. The other one is coachability. Because we always want to be gaga over all the BJJ black belt world world champions that want to do mixed martial arts. So let me let me just name name the ones that I know where they won the worlds and they became high level champions in either the UFC or Pride like it was back in the day, Bellator, etc. Okay? So there's a lot of BJJ black belts. So let's just, so let's just name the guys that have either won 80, 80 CC or they won the IBJJF Worlds. You got Hikaru Arona. You have Mario Sparing. Even though yeah yeah, Sparing was actually a UFC tournament champion, so I'll actually put him in there. We got Marilla Bustamash. He was the U, he was the second UFC middleweight champion. We have BJ Penn. So we, that's right now at four. Um, let me think right now. And we're talking about black belt level only. That's it. Yeah. In terms of like the ones I can just really just readily readily name. So, you, so right there, you got four black belts where they either won ADC, CC, or Worlds, or they won both. Oh, sorry, no, no. And Rafael Lovato Jr. and he's the only American. And, and, and he's, that's who you and, were trying to think that's of earlier. That's what I was trying to think of earlier. So, so it's okay. those five. So you basically got three Brazilians and two American guys, and that's it. Nobody, nobody else has actually done that. So think about the amount of BJJ black belt men and women that have actually won worlds that have all. Well, I, my next step is for mixed martial arts. They've not done jack, and it can be because of potentially injuries. It could be also because of over-specialization. Now, what do I mean by that? Like, if you watch, like, the new Michael Jordan documentary that that was actually out, if you looked at episode 7, his old trainer, Tim, Tim, Tim Grover, talks about this, where he goes, well, the problem was whenever Michael actually came back, he was in basketball shape. He wasn't in – or sorry, he was in baseball shape. He wasn't in basketball shape because now – I've got to build muscle on him a different way because now he needs more shoulders right this way and all so he can actually drive more so he can actually lower his shoulder down, blah, 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 blah. So even how your weight distribution on, on, on your on your body, it just changes. So if you're a BJJ black belt world, world champion even, okay, then I make fun of people in class actually for this though, but how many, how many BJJ black belts are really going to be that good at takedowns? 
even e- even when you actually watch worlds, what happens? They all pull guard. Really, really they little, all pull guard. Right. So if you've now spent, and let's say you started training BJJ at the age of eight, and now you're 20, 28. You, you've spent most of your formative years going for guard pulls. You know how to take a person down if it's a basic guy that's trying to actually attack you in the street, but taking down a person in the street is easy. It really is, though. Um, but someone that knows what they're actually doing, though, you know, now I'm going to go up against this guy that's a striker that's been working on his sprawls, and he's been working with, like, you know, high-level wrestlers, like state, college, or, or even international-level freestyle wrestlers and all. That's going to be hard then, but now you have to desperately get them down because you can't outstrike them at all. And they and they have really, really good counter-wrestling then. Yeah. Like, so if you're a BJJ guy, you're basically what? You're basically screwed then. Well, the reason I... Th- thought about this is because I'm seeing a lot of these, like I said, these BJJ black belts are like, I'm now going into MMA and I've been doing jiu-jitsu, you know, jiu-jitsu this long, I'm a world champion, which is like still a great accomplishment that they have this, now they're going into MMA, but from what I've seen lately with MMA with a lot of the females that you've, you know, some of the ones you told me about, or the fights that we've watched recently, I mean, their striking is on point. Like, well, I mean, scary on point. Well, I and mean, then, like, the one that you think about is going to be Wiley and Ioana. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the one that... And who's the, the Russian, the ball, ballerina? That's, that would be Val Gutina Like, their striking is so beautiful that... But if you notice, Shevenko is precise. Yes. Like there's no ex- there's no wasted energy. Yeah, she's like yes. a she's like a top 3 striker for mixed martial arts. It doesn't matter men or feet or like you know women. So, she is top well, and her top sister, three. her sister is definitely going to be following her, especially since she's taller, she's going to have a longer reach. Yeah. So she's been focusing more on the striking. So do you think there if you want to go one of those routes, do you have to truly figure out, hey, I'm going to do BJJ, I'm going to be a world champion BJJ, no, or do no, no, you no. have to... No, and and also let me make a correction. Arona, he never did win a title over with Prati, though he was in like, like the middleweight tournament, so let me put him out. So right now, yeah, there's only four four guys then that have actually done it, and no females have actually done this yet. You don't have to be a world a world champion at all. It means that you're basically within, within specialization mode. You just need to have a strong enough skill set there to where it just doesn't matter. You have to be well-rounded, and that's, I guess what I'm looking at, too, is, okay, you go that route, but like you said, which you clarified, is if you're so specialized in one thing, like with jiu-jitsu and in the gi, you're pulling guard and you're doing all these things and then transitioning over to strictly no-gi stuff where you've got... It's, so it's not, just, and I think yeah. I'm overthinking everything, but I just, I'm very curious about that transition over. You're not, you're not, but it's just, again, if you're going to do mixed martial arts, let's, let's analyze this, it's mixed martial arts. So let me, let me give you another fight. So again, if you, if you guys ever talk to me about mixed martial arts, then I'll pull out fights both recently and from like the past year. I am a, I'm a big time mixed martial arts nerd here. If you look at Alan Belcher versus Paul Harris, so Paul Harris for a little bit of time, he was a middleweight in the UFC, and you know he was known as being an uber leg lock guy. Oh no, if he actually grabs a hold of your legs, he'll break your leg. Then, really, really good BJJ black belt from Brazilian top, top, top team. So, the problem is though, a lot of guys then they want to do what? They do not want to go to the ground with him because this was the guy before Eddie Cummings and John Danaher's death squad, etc. This was 
the guy that people were actually scared about in terms of leg locks. Then he ran into Alan Belcher. Now, Alan Belcher, he's primarily known as being a kickboxer, but he's also a BJJ black belt. And one of the things that made Paul Paul Palhara so damn deadly is people were so damn afraid of his leg locks, they were very hesitant that they went on the ground. Bill Belcher dropped them, and instead of letting him come back up, he went right to the ground with him because he didn't really give a damn because he's also a BJJ black belt. But... He's not a BJJ black belt in terms of you can get a black belt by the, by the numbers, and if you're a pretty good athlete, you can actually get that belt. He was a technical black belt. So if you go back and, and, and actually watch that match, he's hitting all the correct leg lock escapes, and he's making Paul 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 Harwis pay by hitting the ever and piss out of him, though. So he was already an accurate striker, really, really strong, but he also was technical at his leg lock game, so he had no problem playing that game. And you can hear Rogan and others going, oh, he doesn't really want to actually do that, etc. And he's just doing it. He's like, well, whatever. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But he literally spent time going, I know that he's really, really good at leg locks and all. I'm going to make absolute sure then I can go right in there. It's all good then. And whenever that actually happened, Paul Harris, he didn't have an answer. Well, he can't, he can't really, really stand with him. And he was also bigger and taller. And he was also a better wrestler too. So his only his only thing is hopefully I can I can I can pull a guard. Well, he has the same level of skill skill set as you, and he's hitting you too. So instead of me playing the the uh, traditional BJJ game meta where we'll go tit for tat, I'm also throwing my punches because I know exactly where to throw it at you, and I'm a black belt and I know how it'll actually affect you. And he won that match and it was a big time upset. But again. You, we had one guy that was uber strictly BJJ right here, and another guy that he's also a BJJ black belt. He's very, very proud of his BJ of, of his BJJ lineage, but he's also a really good striker. Yeah, and he knew how to actually neutralize. So if I can neutralize yeah. whatever your strong skill set is, I'll win then. Yeah, yeah. And then that Im- immediately makes me think of like out of Alan Belcher's gym, Brandon, yeah. Brandon Davis, in that he did a lot more striking whenever he was doing his bout for the UFC. But a lot of people don't know is he, he's a brown belt now. Isn't yeah, he's yeah. a brown belt now. He had finally gotten his brown belt. Yeah. So a lot of people don't realize that he did have a good grappling background. It's just he liked to play stand up. Yeah. Remember? Well, no, you weren't even actually there because he because he came to my old campus class actually. Okay. Way back. He when. was he was there as a purple belt because I think I had rolled with him a couple times mm-hmm. when we were still in Mississippi. But that was when he was moving. Yeah. For a song. Yeah. And they just had their baby girl. Yep. What today? Four? Like four this morning? I believe so. I think it was like this morning. Yeah, so four something a, this morning. They had the baby girl. Second child, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Did you have another question? No, that was real. That was my only question, really, because like <laughs> I said, I have no real experience with MMA except when I'm in the BJJ MMA class. <laughs> All my questions are so, for jiu-jitsu. Missy's just, like, I wish I could throw a person I'm, this person right my, now. My thing with this, like I've talked about, I appreciate it and I respect it. I just, now I'm really getting into it. Now that I am in martial arts, there's so much more about it that I don't know and now I'm just learning about it. Listening well, to, you know, the conversations. Whenever you look at it, whenever strikes are going to be involved, a lot of what you're going to use is just going to be sound, strong, fundamental fundamental basics. Okay? Whenever you do a lot of your fancier 
BJJ stuff, and it's not that you can't actually do it, but your special stuff is mainly just actually to pull out against either A, people that are way crappier than you are, or it's a specialization because you put me within a position and then this is one of my major ways out. So because of that, you don't need to necessarily do that. So again, if you want to look at the most... The the biggest flag carrier BJJ right now is still fighting. You know he's going to retire this year. If memory serves me correct, that's going to be Damian Damian Maya. Look at how Damian passes. Damian mainly does float. He does float float passes, tripod passes off of his float passes, and then at times knee cuts. Just as a example, if you look at his guard work, his guard work exclusively is either going to be close guard or half guard to butterfly guard. And and if he uses the single leg X, he'll use the single leg X to uh, to pretty much immediately sweep and actually come right up. And you can watch how he uses BJJ to neutralize other BJJ black belts too. Like go back and watch him versus Rory McDonald. Mm-hmm. Rory's a really good BJJ black belt too, and he's trained exclusively no gi. He's he's almost never gotten completely out grappled, but that was the one where he got out grappled though. There's no shame in that's Damian Maya. Yeah, and when you think of it, especially on, like, the amateur level, for people that have shown interest being like, you know, I want to do MMA, in terms of formal training, they only learn what they need to apply for MMA. Yeah. They don't learn everything. Yeah. They'll just focus on, okay, I'm only going to use this, I'm going to perfect this, like, these few facets rather than, like, the overview of everything. But see, because I'm, that's all they want to apply. But see, the, and, and that's where my main argument would actually be of you don't learn just enough. You have to just embrace it. Or so, know more than what the other person could possibly do to you. Yeah, and because what a lot of them just want to do, and I, and I make fun of this all the time, let me just stand and bang and then let me put on my tap out tap out shirt. Whether I win or lose, I'll go to the bar and then I'll get with, you know, local local chick number three, eight, five, but hey, you know, at least I could actually stand stand and stand and bang. It's like no. If you're if if you're going to do mixed martial arts you have to actually get decent at all of the facets. You could be a specialist. In fact, one of the things I complain about a lot of BJJ guys, they don't they don't put enough time in most of them for striking and wrestling. And if your balance sucks, you don't need to try to do kickboxing. Learn how to kickbox in terms of being able to like chit like a kick, but work on your boxing. Mm-hmm. Work on your boxing and be able to actually box a person up and then make them take desperation shots. Or work on your striking so you can be like, say, like a Rafael Dos Anjos. And like Rafael Dos Anjos is a really, really good black belt. His leg kicks are nasty, you know. And and he's like one of like, like, like many, like, but really put serious time in. What happens is that maybe they were really good in one facet and then they're going to be arrogant enough to go, okay, well, because of that, that's all I really actually need. Well, that's just as dumb as you being a striker going, well, let me not work on this jiu-jitsu stuff doesn't matter if you're going to do this then make sure you actually do this right then yeah mm-hmm. and i know one thing we haven't talked about because we've been focusing on groundwork but that's not even including like how well grapplers do in terms of wall work because they understand how pressure is applied not yes. even just in the clinch but being able to take down using the wall and being yes. able to use that to it's pin. a tool exactly like it's another like Cool. It is. <laughs> now, not only thinking of the word tool instead of it's another word. It is though, but, but I mean, like, it's a extra weapon. If you look at a lot of the striking takedowns that Khabib uses, a lot of what he does, he gets you to go straight back, and then he uses the wall in his clinch work to take a person down, and then he'll and then he'll use leg rides, like whatever, 
to basically wrap you up and then just punish the ever-loving crap out of you. Mm-hmm. So how much time are some guys even actually putting within that? Not a lot. Mm-hmm. Or just figuring out where to put the pressure so that mm-hmm. they feel the heaviest rather than I'm going to keep you pinned up against the wall and use all of my energy, but how can you use it efficiently where I'm not exhausting myself to keep you pinned, right. but I'm also throwing strikes as I'm keeping you controlled and pinned yes. in order to set up the takedowns to take you down or to do whatever I want to do. Mm-hmm. And then just to go back to what your original question was to Messi, so, you know, again, if I'm so focused on me winning gi matches, you know, and you're a blue belt and you're still kind of actually, actually new here and all, so and this is not me even making making fun of you here, but I'll, I will even open it up to, like, both of you, like, right now. Name me five men or women right now. In fact, you, you can even actually mix it up that within the gear it finishers. All the time that they are going to go for, like, the finish. See, the first person I think of because she got... And mind you, every 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 black belt is going to always say that I go for the submission. Okay, bullshit. How many truly are actively hunting a submission the whole time? I can name two off the top of like, my head. I can think of, so in terms of, like... BJJ, I know the uh, I follow her. She got her five matches for Nogi Worlds, um, all submission. Elizabeth Clay, okay, the one that had been a brown belt for about a month. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think Abia Bia really focuses on submissions, depending on if she's in a super fighter. And see, for me, I would say it's only going to be Jazari. She's always submission hungry. Mm-hmm. And then there's and then it's Nicholas too from Alliance. Because he won Worlds two years ago. Um and that's pretty much it. In terms of they are actively always actually actually hunting, you know, for subs. And this does not mean that nobody else actually goes for like, like subs now, but it just seems like so many people focus just, on Oh no, understanding well, the point system so that they, they win by like an right. advantage or a point. Rather than kind of like ending the match or blowing them out, right? And again, other other people will actively go go for it for for it too. Sorry, I'm forgetting Nick's, Nick's name now, or because hell, it's just late. But point is though, you know they they are like the only two, maybe three. If I want to throw in Roberto Jimenez because he just got his black belt right now, and I know that he'll he will continue to always just like hunt like this up. And I know people they 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 really actively look to like you know get like a sub, but if you watch a lot of gi, gi matches, if I can get up on like a advantage or on two points, a lot of people they'll be stall, they will actually stall out, and you'll hear the excuse of well, it's such a chess game and all, which blah blah blah, whatever. Point is that shit does not translate well to mixed martial arts no. because I can't just kind of edge you edge you out because I can get re re reverse now. We're both slippery. I don't have cloth to actually hang on to. I can't wrap it around like a worm guard. And just kind of hold on, Nicholas Mayor There we go. Sorry, um, that's that's him though. Um, but you can't just actually hold on. So the finisher mentality is not going to actually be there. Mm-hmm. Versus if you look at a lot of these other BJJ people, like you're talking about Bryce Mitchell's fight from like you know the, the weekend. nasty. He's always looking like, but he's like another guy. He's not he he he's not won a world champion championship. But if he rolls and all, he's constantly looking for a sub, and he's really, really good at it because he's constantly looking. Gary Gary Tone is like another one. You know, he's he's won most of his fights right now by sub by by submission. But the way that he that that he trains and really applies his game is 
let me not just do just enough to get a damn you know advantage and then wait for a referee's you know, you know score is I'm gonna actually tap you like that's it and whenever you go up against people that actually are like that they can translate their 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 personal BJJ games over a lot faster than I'm not gonna lie all you've got me thinking about right now are camo shorts Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's because you're from West Virginia this time. Well, and I, when you talk about the submission hunting too, like I think about because I was going to say Jazari before you said her. I think a lot about the match she had with Michelle Nicolini, where she just snatched Michelle's arm. It was like right there. She just snatched it and mm-hmm. brought her legs around and, and got that armbar. So I see a lot of like what you're talking about when it comes to submission hunting versus like. Oh, well, Verdun. Damn it. I see, can't believe for them to put him in there. Sorry, of, it is five people. And then this makes me think of, uh, we were rewatching some of those EBI. Uh-huh. And uh, I think it was Patty Fontes. And yeah. it's like, you, you see these people that do uh, She just got off of no So much worlds. that, like, once they switch over to sub yeah. only, it's just the, that mentality difference or, like, that hesitation being, like, oh, I'm going to hold out for points. And then you mm-hmm. see that it's, like, that moment of hesitation may lose them a match because they're not hunting for the submission. Yeah. Yeah. So that makes a lot of that actually makes a lot of sense. We were for collectively me nodding our heads yeah. while it was silent. Yeah. <laughs> so no, like so we we are we are all doing the same art, but then your focus becomes a lot a lot different though. So like like again, if you guys notice, even the worm guard stuff that I've actually shown you, you all, any of the lapel guard stuff, I'm like, all right, we're coming up to like like sweeping, we're like immediately passing. It's not a we're gonna bump and then we're gonna actually hold. And I'm and this is not me even making making fun of people that that actually do that. That's within like the rules, and if that's how you choose to play. Like there's nothing wrong actually with that. It's just that yeah. if I strip you of that, and a person can punch you and knee you and all that, then that aspect of the game is essentially worthless. Then, so then you wasted time actually playing the game that way versus going. Let me go back to the original meta, which is take you down pass you, punch you, turn you over, choke you. Yeah. Like, literally, that's the that's the main original, you know, meta there. Yeah, well, well that, I was going to say, I think about positions a lot as far as, like, back-taking, just because that's my game. After you taught it, the one where they're belly down and you get your hooks in and you're on their back and you mm-hmm. choke them, I've been utilizing that a lot more because it feels stronger than when we're both, I'm on my back and I've got your back. We're doing, mm-hmm. like seatbelt or naked choke mm-hmm. like it makes a lot more but see if fighters yeah. aren't going to do that as much do unless it's more of they're trying to get the choke because from a certain position you can't throw strikes anymore because you can't throw strikes to the back of the head imagine you have like a set of earphones mm-hmm. on your head and from the line of the earphone back is where you're not supposed to strike intentionally. Yeah. But you could you can still actually do it. It could because let me let you me. You can hit the face if they turn. Like if they're a dumbass and they get their own head hurt, like head hit the back of the head. That's on them. It yeah. is, but you can. But it's being smart. You can you can still still force it. So here's another example here. Let me use the Diaz brothers. Whether whether or not people like how they act and all that, let's throw all 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 that mess aside. Both Nick and Nate were tapping out people. That are black belts that mix martial arts when they were purple belts. Yeah. Okay. So they would box you up. Their wrestling wasn't actually that good, but they would box you up, make you make you do desperation shots. They have full full faith within like their guard, tap you. Nate's the most famous famous sub. Again, him fighting you know, and there was a and there was a fox card when he fought uh, Conor McGregor the very first time. What happened? 
He got the Conjurer. He get he got he got to mount against Connor. And some people want to crap on Connor's Jew. Just Connor's a legit brown belt. And sorry, just Nate is literally a world class black belt. He just he just stopped competing in BJJ, mm-hmm. but he never stopped doing BJJ. Mm-hmm. And the BJJ that he that 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 he's always learned from Caesar Caesar Gracie. It always emphasized being able to strike anyhow, but it was also emphasizing one thing: finishing. That's why all the Caesar Gracie guys have always been really good at submission too. And what happened? He went ahead and he actually punched him, rolled him over, punched him on the side a few times, hit that rear naked naked choke. Mm-hmm. So that original meta still actually works. But again, it's based on how you were originally trained and what your focus is. And he, I think, his first MMA fight he was 15 in Mexico. So there we go. So I guess it's just yeah, it's a. Uh, I guess it's just training for your goals <laughs> or what we talked about like I guess just training based off of adjusting what you're, you're doing it. yeah and adjusting, adjusting what, and figuring out like how we talked about like between point system and mm-hmm. submission only that that's actually going to be in later episodes after this but, and what, but what, what's what the rule set for what with? you're doing yeah. well but it's also what are you comfortable with so I, maybe I'm a, I, maybe I'm a BJJ black belt I medal at Worlds multiple times. I've done a few Nogi events nationally, done well, and then I come into here for the mixed martial arts class. Okay, but in terms of if I want to look at really what my what my submission rate was, maybe I got a fifteen percent submission rate for me even attempting, let alone actually getting. Now we come within the mixed martial arts match, but I normally have just one mind by either a takedown or by advantage. I had to look at myself even as a black belt and go, I have all these medals. They mean absolutely nothing now. I have to really focus right now on putting on enough pressure and punish, punishing you and then making my submissions better. Yeah. Like, I have to sharpen up my ability to, to essentially get the uh, kill. You got a lot of people that are black belt. Well, no, well, I hunt submissions anyway. Yes, I'm a submission guy. And I, well, you really don't. Unless you're just a lot better, you basically try to win by advantage. No, I'm a submission guy. Okay, you can get into this argument, and it's useless because again, they're not going to actually change, and they're not going going to to adapt the game. Doesn't mean that they can't armbar you or like whatever, but is their percentage chance going to be as high in you know as say a Gary Tonin? No, it's not because Tonin is just like magically Superman, but his focus really is on I'm going to isolate out and really snatch a sub. But that's a mindset. Now you're having to actually retrain yourself from let me get by by getting over, getting up by advantage score. Yeah. And there's there there are lots of men and women that are too damn egotistical to where they won't actually do that. Yeah. And that's why they go nowhere within mixed martial arts if they got a BJJ background. Well, that clears up my thoughts with it, <laughs> or my curiosities as far as transitioning from. BJJ over to MMA because I was just generally curious about that one basic thing. But did you have all your questions that you wanted to ask him? Yeah, the only thing, like last thing I want to say is just figuring out like you have to be honest with yourself on what it what is it going to take to win. So say you're a guard player, guess what? If you're playing guard a lot and you're not actually hunting submissions and you're just holding it there, you're also not throwing strikes. Yeah. So are you doing what it takes to win a match? If at the end of the day, yeah. you you couldn't submit them. Yeah. So, like, do you have what it takes to do, go punch for punch striking or to take them down or to be dominant in your takedowns and yeah. pinning them? And if the answer is no, guess what? You're probably not predominantly a 
a grappler. Yeah. Like, you, you really have to work your stand-up. And it ties into everything as far as, like, all the interviews we've done and talking to Cody. It's just being well-rounded mm-hmm. and knowing what you're good at being no- and knowing what you need to work on and then becoming well-rounded to do it. And that's what I realized. But, but also, again, continually shutting the hell up and actually just working. Being coachable. Like, like again, let's take GS GSP as a example. He's passing guys. He's he's passing the guard of guys that have won worlds in ADCs CC as a BJJ black belt. He's out wrestling people that have wrestled their whole freaking lives, and then he's out striking guys that have struck way longer than him. Like he's went out and he's trained with like Freddie 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 Roach. He changed up his damn, you know, jab to where he broke Josh Koscheck's orbital, and that's one of the worst orbital, orbital breaks I've seen in boxing or within mixed martial arts after really just working on that. And then he'll go and he'll train with, like, who, who, whoever's way, way better that can actually teach him, and he's actually just coachable. Yeah. So it doesn't matter what the hell he's done. Like, in fact, I think I remember one time, and again, I'm using him because – He's done, but like whenever you've seen how multifaceted he is, he's just a great example. But he just says, "Look, as soon as like the fight's over, essentially I'm back to being zero in zero. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then I go right back in, and then we just keep working on these skills now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Um, is there anything else? No, I think we're good. We've pretty much covered everything we wanted yeah. to. Definitely incorporating not only the episode with Cody Freeland about stand-up for BJJ techniques, but the one tonight with David, although you don't know it's nighttime. Surprise, it's nighttime. It's like Yeah, we're recording midnight. this late. It's so almost it's, midnight, actually. <laughs> you can probably hear it. <laughs> yeah, that's, well, no, no, that's how I was messing up like names. Like, I forgot. Add, like, add, add, it's like, add, like, Verdun, like, that list, and no, there really or, is like, five and me all. being dumb and we're quiet, sleeping. where I'm, like... We're sleepy. Yeah. Um, I know nothing about MMA. Nothing. Like, that's why I'm doing this, so I can learn. Okay. But definitely check out <laughs> next interview is next Wednesday, and tune in. Thank you. Bye.